Welcome back to the She Does This podcast. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. This week, I'm joined by Michelle Hu, the founder of Etoile Collective. Michelle and I chat about leaving her job in finance to turn her side hustle into her full-time dream career, the crazy world of startups, and how she's built a loyal following of over 124,000 Etoile lovers on Instagram. Enjoy the episode and keep an ear out for a discount code and the code word which will give you the chance to win one of three medium travel cosmetic cases from Etoile. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the She Does This podcast. Now, if anybody has looked up vanity mirrors or selfie lights on Instagram, they will probably be familiar with Etoile. Can you just give us a brief history on your career and what sparked the idea to start this business? Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Jordi, for having me onto your platform. So I started my career in finance at an investment bank, which is very, very different to what I currently do. So in a nutshell, um, I was helping ASX listed companies and advising them on mergers and acquisitions. So looking at um, like the feasibility of that, their financial profile and what they would look like um, sort of pre and post merger. So it was very much um, analytical, whereas I really like to use both left and right side of my brain. Um, and I felt that that really lacked in my previous role. So fortunately, I had started running a 12 before I started um, there. And in kind of the two years, um, I always say that the stars aligned and the business kind of organically grew and found its feet um, and was and, and sort of allowed me to take the leap uh, to work on a 12 full time. But um, thinking back to how the business started, so it really was formed um, out of a need for myself. I remember getting ready in the most dire situations where I had product kind of spilling from um, my bathroom and my bedroom and um, the handbags that I was using. And it was just an extremely chaotic and unglamorous situation. And, yep. <laughs> you know, I always think like the beauty process is meant to be really exciting and really like a feel good um, sort of moment. And it it didn't make sense that, you know, the start of the beauty process where you go and purchase products is very, very mm-hmm. exciting. And then the end of that process, which is that post getting ready feeling is also really exciting. But then in the middle, for me at least, was really chaotic. So I set out to um, find at the time it was acrylic organisers. So that's what we started with um, to be able to just, you know, feel good whilst getting ready. Um, And, yeah, that's pretty much where we started from. And then um, we've very quickly expanded our range to now include the vanity mirrors and the lighting and and travel cases as well. So you started off with those acrylic organisers. How did you go about sourcing manufacturers when you had no experience in that industry? I mean, you had a job in finance. Yeah, so I... My dad actually works half the year overseas in China, so I got his help at the beginning. Um, and even though our manufacturers have evolved a lot um, and you kind of, I guess, keep looking for partners that share the same same vision as you, um, and over time, I think with the growth of the business, we've been fortunate enough to be contacted by um, really quality suppliers. So where we're at now differs a lot to where we were in the beginning but at those early stages I did get a lot of help from from my dad. Amazing so tell me about how you sort of scaled the business obviously it started off just yourself um, and I'm assuming now you've got staff and you know the business is really booming so 
tell me about the process of being a startup and then sort of scaling up and hiring staff and really growing. Yeah, so scaling is so difficult and I think no one tells you that it requires such a huge sense of like optimism and confidence. Um, So in the first two years, we weren't really actively trying to scale. So that was when I was working full time and I was pretty much just it was such a passion project and I would hop on like as as much as I could from my day job to, you know, post on social media or um, try and talk about vanity inspiration. And it was really my mum who helped keep the business afloat by packing everything and, um, you know, sometimes even delivering orders. So the first two years we grew organically and um, I think we are just really fortunate because we are in this industry where customers are so active online and they loved looking at this vanity inspiration and they would always tag mm-hmm. their friends. So we grew a lot via um, just word of mouth marketing. And then mm-hmm. when I did go full time, that was really when I guess I, I aggressively tried to scale the business. Um, and that's where we saw step changes Um, in the business. So we moved out of home into a warehouse. Um, We hired our first employee actually not too long ago Um, and everything kind of kicked off from there. And it has been such a challenging um, and really, really rewarding journey. But yeah, I think what no one tells you is, um, like I said, you just have to be so confident that the business won't, I guess, collapse overnight. And that's something that I struggled with myself because I think I just doubt like, oh, you know, what happens if no one needs mirrors anymore? Like no one needs organizers. And um, when you do scale, it requires you to deploy considerable capital and it's not a one-off expense, it's ongoing expenses. So I guess you just have to be confident that your business can kind of, um, you know, keep paying those longer term. Yeah. And, yeah, hiring is also very, very tough, as I've learned from a couple of failed attempts. Um, And (laughs) obviously when you're such a small business, um, employees are so, so key to driving your business. Um, So, yeah, we've we've been very pedantic about it and and we've tried and failed, um, but now we have one part-time and one full-time person. Do you find it difficult? I mean, because having your own business, it's your baby and no one's ever going to be as passionate Mm. about it as you are. Do you find that a bit of a struggle trying to find employees that that are genuinely really passionate about the brand? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Like no one will ever be as passionate and, um, like I guess just going above and beyond than than the founder of a business. Um, But I think like what we've been able to do really well is um, just really over-communicate with um, our team members what our values are. And so one of the things that I am so probably too anal about is customer service and providing just an above and beyond you know, end-to-end service for all of our customers. And so mm-hmm. our um, part-time customer service uh, employee, Olivia, who is great, she used to work for another, um, she used to work in customer service for another um, retail brand. 
And yep. since she's moved over, she was like, wow, everything is so different here. Like um, if anything ever went wrong or someone complained about um, a product in her prior role, you know, the protocol would just be to say, you know, like, I'm sorry, but there essentially was no fix. It would just be like too bad, so sad kind of thing. And so now yeah. I think you just have to over communicate with her what the kind of protocol is, tell her that, you know, if anything breaks whatsoever, like there is no question, we will resend stuff. And so I think when you, yeah, over communicate what the solution is and that, you know, it's a, it, you know, we will fix any, any problem, then I think um, the employees will kind of catch on to that, um, that culture and, and those, those values. Yeah. I mean, you sound so confident and you sound like a really confident leader. How how did you sort of transition from being, um, you know, a, an em- employee yourself to then being the boss? It, like how did you sort of gain these like leadership skills? And- um, it's funny you say that because I, I wouldn't say I'm the most confident person. I actually have a lot of self-doubt and I think I just have these awesome, awesome people around me that lift me up yeah. um, and they are like mentors, my parents, my partner, my friends. They are all probably more confident in, t- in a 12 than I am. <laughs> um, and leadership is something that... I was so scared to jump into, which is probably why I put off hiring for so long. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, because the work that I think I've had the experience of um, being under some great managers and being under some not so great managers. And I really wanted to ensure that I was um, a really inspirational and great leader for anyone who I hire. Um, so I hope I'm doing um, that job well, but um, yeah, it is, I guess, a work in progress. Have you ever felt like you have imposter syndrome? Because I think that's so common with women in, in business and women in leadership suffering from imposter syndrome. Definitely. Um, I naturally just have a lot of self-doubt or and and I think it's definitely hindered some of the growth of the business and like I said put off things that we probably should have done earlier because you do have those thought bubbles that are like oh gosh like what is all of this like it's all going to fade one day um you know I can't be I can't do what I want to do because you know next week we're not going to have um the same numbers as we have this week because this is all you know like it could it could just all disappear in um in in a, in a heartbeat and those thoughts are so um detrimental to to business growth and again I have um my supporters around me to to really thank for kind of lifting me up when I do have um those dark clouds overshadow my my normal thoughts tell me about the mentors how did you go about um getting finding mentors and approaching them and getting them to sort of guide you yeah, so I have, I guess, a few informal mentors um, and it all started with one guy by the name of Nick Crocker who I could not speak more highly of. Um, he is a um, general partner of Blackbird Ventures, which is a VC fund, a firm here in Melbourne and, and Sydney. Mm-hmm. And, look, I always say, like, one of the best things that I've done in um, my business journey is rather than letting kind of opportunities and doors come to you, really like chase after and look for um, 
these opportunities. So after my two years at City, I thought about diving into venture capital um, because I really liked the idea of investing in startups and wanted to see what that process was was all about. And there was a role going at the time at, at Blackbird Ventures, but the last yeah. thing I wanted to do was to dive into a role that I wasn't going to be super passionate about. So through a few connections um, and people in my existing network, I was introduced to Nick Crocker and asked him for um, a potential internship at Blackbird, even mm-hmm. though they didn't have an official program running at that time. Um, and Nick was really lovely and essentially created a women in VC program. Yeah. Um, and in a couple of months' time, I was doing a 12-week internship there. Um, and then through that program, I was able to meet some great mentors in the e-com space in Melbourne. And I think the Melbourne ecosystem of the Melbourne startup ecosystem, and I'm sure this is the same in um, other cities, is extremely small and everyone is willing to help everyone because I think we all know the struggle and how hard it is to kind of get a business off the ground. And so I think you just got to know that there are people that want to help you. Um, everyone wants to see everyone yeah. succeed. So, you know, if you go tapping on someone's door, like it's very likely that you know, if they can't help you, potentially they will point you in, in another direction um, and, and open another door. So, um, yeah, I've been very lucky to be introduced to um, Nick Crocker and have a great relationship with him who has then been able to um, introduce me to some other great people in the space. Want to win one of three medium travel cosmetic cases by a 12? Simply DM the code word she loves etoile to she does this by midnight September 9 for your chance to win. She does this listeners can also use the code word she does this for 10% off the entire etoile range for the month of September. Tell me about the moment or the the time that you decided right this is it I'm going to leave my career in finance and pursue this full time. Yeah, at the time, I actually never thought a twelve could be something that I um, pursued full time or could support me full time. I think midway through kind of 2017, it was a great small business that could potentially keep operating as a small business. But I think for me to go into it full time, my requirements were to see it growing into a much bigger thing where I could, you know, have a team and move into warehouses and see just a much bigger potential. Um, so it was just a financial milestone that I put in place and I said, right, if this meet, if it meets this, then um, I'll definitely look into it. And it did. And from there I was able to take the leap and, um, yeah, really dive into it um, and, and and really just go for it. And even though you'd met that financial sort of milestone, I'm sure you were still pretty scared. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> it, it was a bit of a leap of faith and I remember everyone around me was like, you know, do you have a business plan in place and do you know exactly what you're going to do and when? And, and, you know, I think I have quite a high risk tolerance and at the time I didn't see it being as big of a leap as those around me did. Um and I think I broadly had ideas of um, what I was going to do with all this free time and how I was going to scale that after I left my full-time role. Um, but I think, you know, deep down I kind of knew that 
it, deep down, I was very, very confident that it would be able to kind of grow and grow and take off from um, from all the extra time that I put into it. Yeah. So you started off with the acrylic makeup organizers, and you now have the vanity mirrors, which are like incredibly popular. Um, tell me more about how you've expanded the range. Yeah. So I think it definitely helps being a consumer myself yeah. because I essentially just think of my beauty room and what I need to kind of enhance my space and make getting ready a lot funner and a lot easier and a lot, I guess, calming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just looking around the office now and, and to see what we've got. So I think the next thing we expanded to was the travel cases, which is essentially, um, you know, staying organised on the go. Yeah. And then, yeah, we very quickly moved into vanity mirrors and lighting and with that vanity furniture as well. So it's been a very, I guess, organic process um, and literally just required me to think of my beauty room and, and what I needed. Um, and then I think it also helps when when our customers come to us and say, you know, it will be really awesome if you could do this and I would love to see this from a toile. Um, yeah. And every time we kind of get that feedback, we actively um, action it and, and look to see uh, whether it's it's viable for the business. I'm just looking at the the company's Instagram page. You've got over 123,000 followers and you've obviously got a highly engaged audience. And I think a lot of it is because your product and your range is so Insta-worthy, as they say. So tell me <laughs> about how Instagram and social media has, has helped your brand because, I mean, clearly you've got an amazing online presence and a great strategy behind that. So how has it helped? especially with Instagram? Yeah, massively. So like I said earlier, the first two years was the growth was purely attributed to social media. We didn't have any paid marketing. It was literally just posting pictures on Instagram. I don't think we were using any other channel. Don't even think we were that active on Facebook. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, it comes down to our audience and our and, and our customers and who we're speaking to. And I think they just love seeing vanity inspiration. Um, and for a little while, I think we veered off and tried posting, I'm trying to think what it was. I think it was either quotes or memes or something. And then we did a poll and we were like, you know, what do you want to see more of? And it was either like stick to vanity inspiration or some other thing. And everyone was like, just do vanity inspiration. Just do what you're good at. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, we haven't really veered off like our strategy since the very beginning. We still love posting vanity inspiration. I think we've just, I guess, sharpened our content a little bit and made it a little higher production. Um, we've been, a, you know, more targeted. So we love posting like demonstrative videos. Um, so rather than having just images, static images of beauty rooms, which people love, um, we found that they also love seeing products in action. And tell me about your influencer strategy because, I mean, a lot of brands are are cautious when they're using influencers because, you know, is it actually going to see a conversion into sales? And you've, um, I mean, I don't know if these are, are actual partnerships, but I noticed that Abby Chatfield um, has posted about Etoile, Sky Wheatley. Is that a is that an influencer strategy that you have or is it just potluck that influencers have liked and enjoyed your your brand? I think 
I think it's a bit of both. We definitely do do outbound influencer collaborations where we reach out to the talent, but we do also get a lot of inbound interest um, and that's where we can secure things like contra collaborations, which are really great. But, yeah, influencer strategy has been really difficult for us because our products are such high value and so we can't really go for that breadth strategy where we just gift everyone a mirror because that's extremely, extremely costly um, for us. So we like to go narrow and um, create really deep relationships with influencers that we know whose audience, um, you know, is really great for the brand and and, and resonates well. So that, again, is a work in progress because it's very difficult to kind of find these influences and it can be very costly to test the strategy because, again, of how high value our, our products yeah. are. Um, so, yeah, uh, influencer strategy, work in progress. <laughs> well, it's obviously working. It's, you're doing something, right? <laughs> Tell me about, like, your other marketing strategies, so, like, PR, um you know, what else have you got going on to really get that brand message out there? Yeah, so we switched on um, all the kind of um, the, I guess, marketing, the paid marketing growth levers when I went full-time in the business. So things like Facebook ads, Google ads are extremely effective for the business and we really, really try and double down on that. Um, SEO is another one that we invest greatly into. Um, so that's just um, trying to rank better on Google. And then we always try different platforms. Like I think recently we've been trying Pinterest ads and TikTok ads and with all these new social platforms and even products within existing social platforms. So, so things like Reels, um, all that stuff is is super important to kind of um jump on board with very early on because that's where I guess you can kind of utilize perhaps undervalued channels and, um, you know, kind of getting there before everyone else um, and kind of getting there before all the, um, you know, CPMs and the cost of impressions and stuff rise. So, yeah, we love, we love, love, love social platforms. You really have to keep your finger on the pulse, don't you, because I feel like it's ever-changing like TikTok feels like old news now to me. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I was saying to um, Olivia that since Reels has come out, I found myself on TikTok less, even yeah. though I love it so much. I'm just, I'm just on it less. Crazy. Now, as I was reading up about you prior to this interview, I read an article that your business is now worth $5 million. Well, look, we've never had a valuation done. Um, our revenue figures have definitely grown a lot in the in the last um I guess year and a bit um but yeah no we've never had um any valuation or or anything like that done done for the business so but you're obviously extremely successful can you tell me and and our listeners a bit of advice that you have for women who are you know sitting here with an idea and just not knowing where to start you know what would your advice be Um, I think actionable advice that I would give is there is just so many learning opportunities out there, whether you like absorbing content via podcasts or videos or books, there is just so, so much to read on the topic of entrepreneurship and, um, and how to start a business. I love reading, um, business 
books. Um, so things like Mindset that I'm reading right now, which is all about the psychology of success and the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset and how changing or tweaking how you think about things can um, kind of allow you to fulfill your potential. Yeah. Um, and things like, um, you know, the classic books like Zero to One by Peter Thiel, Atomic Habits is really good, um, The Lean Startup. And then I love to also follow really active um, founders such as the one that I you know love following right now is Ben Francis who is the founder of Gymshark yeah. and he is just so inspirational he the business is completely bootstrapped and he started it I think almost a decade ago um, and now you know just this week they announced um, that the business is worth more than a billion pounds I think which is just absolutely crazy wow. Yeah, so he is really active on YouTube and provides some really, really great um, learning resources and tools and um, it's really great to be able to learn from people like that. Yeah. Um, and then something else that I would say is as a business owner, you almost have to become a salesperson um, because you have to be prepared to go out there, sell your vision and your mission, you know, shout what you're doing from rooftops. You have to just be the biggest brand evangelist and get people to jump on board your um, vision. So, yeah. and I think when you do that, there is, there's so much good for the business. So even doing things like podcasts or, um, you know, jumping onto your your socials and talking through products or, or just showing who you are um, and who the founder of the business is is really important. So definitely be prepared to do that. And I think in this current climate, so many people love seeing who's who's behind a business and yeah. um and yeah and um what they stand for and stuff. Yeah, knowing the face behind the brand is so important these days. Now Tell me about your daily rituals because I know a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs swear by having rituals and um, daily routines. So what are yours? Do you have any? No, I actually don't. I've been telling <laughs> I've been telling my partner now that I really want to get into the 5am club because everyone just says yeah. that, you know, the most successful people are part of this very exclusive 5am club. So every morning this is probably the worst ritual. I set my alarm for like 5.30, but then I snooze it till about <laughs> 7 o'clock. <laughs> that is something I do every single morning and it honestly just shits me so much that I can't get into that club. But <laughs> I'm trying. Other than that, no, nothing nothing notable. <laughs> I think being, being your biggest brand evangelist and just being a huge champion of your brand because if you aren't who else is you know exactly exactly so tell me about your future aspirations and your hopes and dreams for a what's what's coming up for the brand because you spoke before about definitely so we have always said that one of the biggest things um, that we really, really want to double down on is providing that end-to-end experience. And I think this comes from the inception of the business where we started with acrylic organizers. Obviously, there's not a lot of IP in that product. There's, It's not like a formula. It's not, you know, something that it's not, it wasn't anything super innovative. Yeah. So from the beginning, we recognized that and we recognized that we weren't going to get a lot of traction um, or a lot of 
I guess, word of mouth marketing from something that had such little IP. So we decided to really chase after service. And at the beginning, when we didn't have much capital, that was in the form of, you know, really, really quick delivery, being super accessible. So like replying to live chats, replying to emails, replying to DMs, whatever it was, just providing an amazing customer service experience. And now when we have grown, you know, four years later, we're much bigger. We have a lot more capital to deploy on um, innovative ideas. We are chasing, we're just, I guess, working in ways and strategizing on how to provide an amazing shopping experience. So something that we have done recently is launch our new AR feature. It's incredible. Yeah. So it was on the back of customers asking whether we had a showroom or, you know, any stockists where they could see our mirrors and tables in person. And it totally made sense because these t- things are like, you know, $500, almost $1,000 products. And the last thing that we wanted was someone to, you know, pay so much for these products and then cross their fingers and be a little bit anxious about whether it would fit in their space, whether it would look good in their space. Um, and so the next best thing that we thought of doing is launching this AR tool where customers could now project out vanity mirrors and tables into their space so they could see a real life um a real life a depiction of of how it would look um and that's been um you know we've had a really good take up on that in the in the past two months since since we've launched and so it's just in providing innovative solutions like that to to be able to um offer a really really great shopping experience that that we're looking forward to so you've got this great range and let's just finish off with what is your favorite product from a toile what would your go-to best i think it would be our crystal full-length mirror um, it is so, so beautiful. And it was funny, just last night, um, Michael Brown, who's a makeup artist, um, shared a story of he got the Crystal Pro vanity mirror and the Crystal full-length vanity mirror, and he showed off his new studio. Yeah. Um, and I was saying to a friend, oh, my gosh, like, do our mirrors really look that good? Because his studio just looks so, so phenomenal. Um, and, it, yeah, it is such a stunning piece. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. Congratulations on such an incredibly successful business. And um, I am about to flick through and and make a purchase myself, I think. But thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And thank you so, so much for sharing this platform with me again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'll be back next week with another episode of the She Does This podcast. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search She Does This. Give us a follow and keep up to date with the latest from the site. Have a wonderful week.